Disclaimer. The views and opinions expressed in this episode of Asians Represent are not those of Secret City Adventures. Hello and welcome to Asians Represent. I'm Daniel Kwan. And I'm Agatha Chang. And we're your hosts. Now, today's episode, this is the first episode of the series. Today's episode is about Orientalism power, and depictions of Asians in tabletop gaming. Yes, and our featured creator for this episode is Jade Matiash. She's here with us right now. Hey. <laughs> yeah, Jade's with us right now. Just we hanging were, out. Just hanging out and watching us. Uh, we were going to originally record like a, a discussion beforehand, uh, but then like we're, we're both hot messes this month. Life got in the way, okay. Life got in the way. Toronto International Film Festival got in the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, I don't know what, what got in the way for me. Yeah. <laughs> the GoPro got in the, the way. Getting the new GoPro Hero 7 Black got in the way. Um, but we're going to kind of combine both elements today. Uh, so let, let's just get into the episode then. Yes. So do we have any news? Yes, we do. <laughs> we are both going to be at SkyCon, which is uh, at the Kitchener Waterloo area from, on October 13th to 14th. We are going to be with the Broadswords. Yes, shout out. Yeah, well, like, one welcome, shot shout out. Welcome to the, the One Shot Network Broadswords. Mm-hmm. And, oh man, I feel like we need the, the, the sound effect. The... Yeah, I'll, like, I'll throw them in there or yeah, something. Yeah, I'm making the hand gestures, but it's not doing anything. <laughs> yeah, so we're going to be there. We're going to have a live show, so a live episode. Well, no, actually, it's not. I don't think it's going to be recorded. Never mind. So we're going to have a live episode. We're going to have a live show. A live performance. Yeah, we're, we're going to be playing D&D. Yeah, we're going to be playing D&D 5th Edition with the Broadswords. Um, have you made your character yet? Yeah, I did. What, what's your character? I think I'm like a fighter. <laughs> so you're going to be a fighter? Okay, cool. Yeah, I'm a gnome. That's what oh, I okay, know. cool. I'm a gnome fighter. Um, <laughs> I haven't been my character yet. I'll, I'm going to make a wizard, I think. Wow. It takes like 15 minutes. Wow. Um, so I want to make a character. Uh, we're going to play some live D&D. Agatha is moderating a panel. Yes. I'll hopefully be on that panel if I can make it to the Kitchener-Waterloo region on time. Oh, my gosh. Uh, because I have to leave right from work. Yeah. it's it's. I believe it's a panel about inclusivity and also like... Uh, Representation on representation of hmm. anyway, it's going to be about inclusivity and representation. <laughs> inclusivity and representation in and, tabletop uh, RPGs. I mean, what what better person to have than one of the co-hosts of Asians Represent? Yeah, one or two. One or two, Question. but reliably one. Yes, reliably one. For sure, one. For sure, one. But I will I will be there in spirit. I'll probably be like banging my head against my steering wheel as I drive over and be like. Where am I? Because I, I never go out to Kitchener. Oh, wow. Uh, but we have other news. Uh, I'm going to be at Metatopia. Yeah. So that's uh, November 1st to November 4th. I'll be there showcasing uh, one of my games, Ross Rifles. Um, and I think that's it for cons this year. I did so many cons. I did, I think, three cons in just over 30 days. Yeah, you've been busy. I've been r- real busy. Yeah, that's true. Uh, so I did Gen Con. Then Fan Expo, then Queen City Conquest. Mm-hmm. And I absolutely loved Queen City Conquest. It I, was amazing. I'm so jealous. I want to go every single year, but I can't because of work. Yeah, because it's right at that that moment when you're about to get real busy. Oh, actually, it's in the middle of TIFF. Oh, is so. it? Is it in the middle of TIFF? Yeah, I've never it is. been. Yeah, true story. So. Oh, this sucks. Yeah. Um, and like, I have one last piece of news. 
and it's that I actually like released a game. <gasps> yeah. So, <laughs> thank you. Um, it's on DriveThruRPG. It's called Zany Zoo. And it's a game about animals trying to escape captivity. Um, so if you go to DriveThruRPG.com, you can search Zany Zoo. It's a game for, like, you know, people of all ages. It's it's I think it's dope. Yeah, it's like a family game. It's like a family game, but it could get, like, real zany. Like, oh, we, yeah? we played it, like, so... <laughs> My my like co-designers and the artists that we worked with, we we like sat around and we played a round of the game, and he doesn't know like the artist Will Parks doesn't know anything about animals, so he's like, I'm gonna play Jaws. So he just played Jaws, like the Great White Shark from oh. the movie Jaws. Oh yes. And I played like a shrimp. And oh, sure. Okay. I played a mantis shrimp. Um, um they're like a nice. they're like a species of shrimp. They can break glass. What? Oh, whoa. Cool. Yeah, they can like um. They are especially adapted to like they have like club hands or spear hands, and they can break the shells of crustaceans, and that's how they hunt. Whoa! Yeah, they're really cool. They have, <laughs> Daniel's making a fist. Yeah, right making now. a fist that are like and I'm imagining a shrimp with a fist. Yeah, well, you should watch videos of them. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Zany Zoo is just the game. It's Madagascar, but the RPG and unlicensed. Oh, oh I see. <laughs> yeah. But you escape the zoo, and the, the GM plays the zookeeper. So yeah. Uh, I really I released a, a game on Drive Through RPG. Yeah, that's hype. Yeah, yeah it looks really great. I've real been... hype. I got a copy for you. Yes, there, sweet. I, I, I was going to ask. One. Thanks. Um, we have a, like a limited run of physical editions. Ooh. Um, but yeah, I think that's a, that's it for news. Um, is there anything that we're excited about in in media? Like, I'm real excited, and I have some like criticisms for the uh, the Dragon Prince, the new show on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Have you watched any of it yet? I I have downloaded it, but I have not watched it. There's a there's one of the characters. She's like a like a dark elf or a moon moon blood elf or something. Okay, and her accent is atrocious. It is so terrible. What is she like? What she's is the like, accent? She's like Scottish. She's supposed to be like a Scottish accent. Okay. And like, I looked up the actress, and she's like American, and it's the most inconsistent accent in mm. the world. Oh, that's rough. Like, it goes from like the Southern United States to like a really stereotypical like Scottish accent to like a Canadian, like a stereotypical Canadian accent. Oh yeah, that it's is so bad. All over the place. But everything else about the show is really cool. Oh, okay. Um one of the best characters, like without revealing much of the plot, uh, she's this like warrior character. She's like a general, but she's deaf. And it does not impede her whatsoever. Mm, nice. It's really cool. And it's what's so interesting about the world is that everybody understands sign language. Oh wow! That's really cool. It's really cool, and it's it's by the um, the the co-creators of Avatar, like mm. the Last Airbender. Yes, yes, it is. Yeah, and I, and I think like talking about Avatar kind of leads into what we were going to talk about uh, for this episode, and that's sort of like Orientalism and perceptions of you know the East. Yes, and I, and I say the East very broadly. When we mean when we say east, we mean the east of what is traditionally thought of as the west, which sounds facetious. But what we mean is Britain. <laughs> yeah. So this is when we think of the Occident versus the Orient, and Orient is what is the key word for what we're going to talk about today. So anything that is not Europe, basically, and now North America as well. Yeah, is is basically that. So in 1978. Edward Said, he, he's a scholar. He was a scholar. He, he passed away um, pretty recently. Yeah. Um, but Edward Said wrote a book called Orientalism. 
And he kind of drew upon his Palestinian identity to, to talk about, you know, how the West perceives the East. So, so when we hear, when we think about the word Orient, a lot of people, especially in North America, will be like, oh, or like you could say Oriental rugs, like from, from what is like the Middle East. Yeah. Uh, the middle of what East, really? Yeah. I usually say Southwest Asia geographically. Yes. Um, a lot of people think that. Uh, sometimes when you say Oriental, like uh, an ex, a couple ex-girlfriends ago, um, oh, I, went, I went to visit her family and her mother was like, oh, she's never brought home an Oriental man before. Oh, geez. And I was like, the fuck? That is an ex. Yeah. <laughs> that is why we're not together anymore. Well, one of the, one of the, it doesn't matter. But <laughs> Dude, sometimes like the word Oriental is used to describe people of like East Asian. Yeah. Like descent. Yeah. So sometimes when you see like in the middle of nowhere, like a Chinese buffet, sometimes they'll say Orient or Oriental Express, I believe is. Is that a train? It is <laughs> the train. The name of that train that is featured in Agatha Christie's book. But also I've seen that as like a, like a, like a Chinese, um, Chinese food place. Yeah. It's like, specifically it's like, with that name. But it's, but it's usually like by Asian people who are trying to cater to white people. Yes. Because white, white people think about, you know, the word Oriental and they think of something exotic, mm-hmm. something uh, that's outside of the West, something mysterious. Mm-hmm. So we're going to kind of just talk about what is so problematic about this concept of the Orient and what is Orientalism. Yeah. So, it, you know, in, in like the late 18th century, I have actually been to a place called the Oriental Institute um, in my previous life as an archaeologist. <laughs> and uh, But like in the late 18th century, there was like ways of studying the history, languages, and cultures of Islam and Muslims was just known as Orientalism. And then when Saeed wrote his book, you know, it, it kind of, is then became a way Orientalism be kind of became a way um, to refer to negative connotations of colonialist bias, sort of underlying and reinforcing scholarship. Yes. Um, and now, if you, if you want to simplify it even more, and you know, it's like the study of Southwest Asia and East Asia, South Asia, Southeast Asia, basically anything east of you know Central Europe is basically now just kind of orientalism has kind of turned into a critique on ways of knowing yes ways of you know letting people interact with an other from a position of power and that and that's what we kind of want to talk about with gaming and i actually have like so i have a story when i was a kid so i've been playing D since i was 10 mm-hmm. and i'm I'm turning 29 soon. Actually, next next month I'm turning 29. Okay. Um, so I've really been playing, happy birthday. <laughs> I think, yeah. But I've been playing D for almost 20 years. Yes. And when I was a kid, I really wanted like I didn't read a lot. And then when I started playing D and just I dove into books. Like I read any D and D book I could. And I was like, Mom, like, are there any D and D books about Asians? Like my mom didn't know. <laughs> she she still she doesn't know how D and D's played. Um, but she was like, "Oh, I'll find you that because it it means Daniel will read." So she got me this book. Okay, so it's it's Oriental Adventures. Right. So this is this is the the third edition, um, like republication and update on the classic 
1980s Gary Gygax Oriental Adventures for AD&D. Mm-hmm. And I had this book and I like I, I read through all of it. Like I read through it. But as a kid, I never used this book. I never used any of the contents of this book. And I never really thought about why mm-hmm. I never actually used any of the the game material here. So why didn't you? I didn't I didn't think about that until we started planning for this episode because subconsciously I think I just didn't want to play as a stereotype because I always thought like, oh, I always played like an elven fighter. Like my thing was like I played as an elven fighter and then I would take levels of sorcerer to get arcane spells and then it would become an arcane archer, which is my favorite class, <laughs> which has since been reduced to something that isn't really that great in the game. But I, I liked the 3.5 and 3rd edition arcane archer a lot because you could basically put sorcerer spells or wizard spells into your arrows and it was really cool and for like you know 11 10 11 year old me i was like what like that's awesome and so but in my head i always thought well these characters that i've been playing were already asian because i'm asian right why do i need a book to tell me how to play an asian character and there's the rub and there's the rub, right? And I didn't think about that until like a month ago when we started planning for this episode. So I kind of did like a reread of this book and I found some things that I did not notice when I was a kid. And a lot of them, you know, are kind of hallmarks of what makes books like this really problematic. And games about Asia are still problematic. So there's a, a class here called the Sohei. And if you have a copy of this book, it's on page 27. But the Sohei is like a warrior monk. They're like kind of like paladins mixed with monks. Um, and this is the art for the Sohei. Whoa. Yeah. Practical. Wait. Wait a second. Okay. Yeah. yeah, here. So see. the art for the Sohei is basically this like like very slender. I'm like doing the pose oh too. Oh, my On page 28. This like slender looking Asian woman. And she's got like what is aesthetically kind of something that looks like samurai armor. Okay. Like you pass it on to Jade. Yeah, okay. But it's like, but she's basically wearing like a mini skirt and like a tube top okay, armor. Okay, okay. The problem is not that she's slender. It's the fact that she's wearing nothing. Yeah, her arms underneath. and her legs and she's not wearing she's clothing not wearing underneath shoes. the armor. It's like, it's like if you were to think of like a go-go dancer, but then the clothes that she's wearing is like pieces of armor instead. Yeah. And also she's not wearing shoes. Ooh. Okay, it's okay. Jay just hit the mic. It's all good. There we go. Fixed. Okay. Um, but yeah, so like I, I read this I read this book and I just never used that because I always thought, well, I'm Asian. I don't need a book to tell me how to make an Asian character. And if I wanted to, you know, maybe play as a samurai, I guess I could because it's in here. Um they have since brought the samurai back into 5th edition uh, in Xanathar's Guide. Okay. <laughs> well, you know, I think good for you for, as a kid, being, like, cognizant of that. I don't know if I was cognizant of it. I was just, like... In, in, in some way, though, maybe? I guess. I mean, like, I feel like um, otherwise you could have, l- like, leaned into it. Oh, I could have leaned and... into it hard and be like, I'm a shaman! And because that, that's one of the classes in it. Or, like really dived into oh i'm gonna be um there's like different kinds of monks in this Mm. and i was just like oh god no no thank you yeah i think that's the funny thing is that even as kids you know when you're uncomfortable you know when you've been put into some kind of um 
some kind of stereotype that you've been backed into a corner, even just like, even if you're just playing a game. And that's why, even if you can't put words to it and you can't say like, oh, this is uh, racist, <laughs> <laughs> but you still know and you don't want it. You want to be treated as a person, which goes back to what we were talking about, about like, what is this other? Um, and what are like, what are th- these stereotypes that we keep talking about? Yeah, I, I mean, like, 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 I, like I said earlier, Orientalism is really just about, like, how the West perceives the East. And if you're somebody like, you know, like Gary Gygax, who's writing Oriental Adventures, or, or you know, John Wick, who's working on, like, L5R, Legend of the Five Rings, mm-hmm. and you're writing contents from, from, like, a place of admiration. I don't want to outright say, like, these people are racist, but they're, they're writing it, like, from a place of admiration. Gary Gygax clearly wanted to codify what was Asian for him and give that to his audience. I'm sure they also wanted to make money. Um, but in doing so, you reduce the complexities of all of these cultures into really, really problematic stereotypes. And we can talk about, so let's talk about Aladdin, speaking of stereotypes, and what is so problematic about that? Well, okay, so I, I have a friend. His name is Osama Dorias, and he's like a, a senior like game designer at Warner Bros games. And we'll talk about having him on the podcast because he doesn't really, he's not in analog. He, he's in digital. Yeah. Um, but we were talking about this and he said that he doesn't let his kids watch Aladdin. On, and he, he won't let them watch Aladdin until they're ready for it. And you don't hear that about like what is perceived as like a classic wholesome Disney movie, right? You don't hear about that like, I don't know, my parents would never be like, no, you can't watch Mulan. You have to you have to wait until you're old enough to watch it. Yeah. My parents were more like, oh my god, there's an Asian movie. <laughs> there's like Asians in Disney that aren't super problematic. We're gonna watch that. Yeah. Right. And so like in Aladdin, like the the stereotypes that you see there are like a that like you know people who live in this fictional Middle East are violent, savage, fanatical, and evil, and the people who can save it are Aladdin and Jasmine. And Aladdin and Jasmine are objectively drawn, like illustrated, to be more beautiful. And their voice actors have more familiar, like, sounds to them because they sound American. Yeah. And um, even their features. But this, so this is the case with all Disney movies, is that all their features of the main characters are all pretty white. Yeah. Even if they have, um, even if they're supposed to be of different backgrounds, there are still aspects of them. I mean, we can talk about, like, for example, like Pocahontas and or Mulan, who have very, very stereotypically non-white features. But even then, they're still not entirely how they would be portrayed if they were drawn by people of their own culture or their own ethnicity. It's I think Pocahontas just wouldn't happen. I mean, yes, that's true. What ended up being completely different, like John Smith just dies of scurvy or comes off the boat like super sickly. Right. But even as we're talking about Pocahontas, let's just say is like, for example, her cheekbones. Um, they're just there are aspects of it that could be analyzed and have been analyzed by many people who are far more artistically inclined than me and far more informed who have talked about this. But it's so they they're more uh, stereotypically westernized and they are the heroes saving this land. And so we talk about how um well i mean yeah that's that's what that's the pocahontas i mean that's the uh, aladdin problem yes so that's one of the one of the problems so all of the other characters like you said they're they're not um i mean i guess jasmine's dad is like 
he he's okay. He doesn't look ugly, but he is comedic. Yeah, and, and all of goofy. all of the other characters, they're perceived to they they're drawn in a way where they are either ugly, no offense, Jafar, or like monstrous. Which one's Jafar? Jafar's the big bad. bad. Oh, okay, okay. Sorry, I've oh, I've seen Aladdin wow. like twice. Wow. Anyway. So, I know all the songs to High School Musical, though, so, like, back off. So you got that. <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> I know my Disney. And just okay, I guess Aladdin next episode well. is a sing-off. But anyway, so it's so that that's why it's problematic, because, like, the only attractive people are the people who are, you know, who, who sound American, and then the other people are, who are supposed to be bad guys all have... Accents. Are caricatures, yeah. 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 They're all caricatures. I mean, like, Orientalism is, like, everywhere in pop culture and gaming is like definitely not immune to it yes and it's like there's this like pervasive fascination with portraying you know asian cultures like people love it and i mean you see it so much in tabletop yes so much in tabletop so like like i just showed you like both iterations of oriental adventures uh Legend of the Five Rings. Yes. Like I showed Legend of the Five Rings to my girlfriend because I like I went to the new 401 games and I was I, I was driving home and picked her up. 401 games is a local game store. It yes. carries all of the analog gaming needs. Yeah, they're like our they're like our favorite. Um and I, w- I went to uh 401 games to pick this up because I was like, oh, we're gonna talk about this. And I saw that they had it. And they ended up having, like, another book that I really liked, uh, the Delta Green uh, Agent's Handbook. Mm-hmm. So I picked up both, and I was like, oh, yo, look, look what I got. And she was like, uh, Delta Green, I don't care. <laughs> it was like the military horror game. And she, lo- she picked this up, and she was looking at it at the front. And the front of the new Legend of the Five Rings beginner box is, like, a samurai bowing to what looks like uh, a daimyo and in, like, this courtyard. And then she turned it over, and there's this, like, guy and he's like he's clearly like a tattooed looking Shaolin monk and the first thing she said and and my girlfriend's not Asian she said is this supposed to be Japan or China yeah and to be honest when I first picked up this box I also asked Daniel so is is this supposed to be Japanese because I see a lot of like Japanese sounding words on there but yeah so it's like what is it supposed to be yes so um we're and, and I mean like here's here's the thing like, so there's Oriental Adventures, there's, like, Legend of the Five Rings, there's, um, there's, like, Kagamatsu, there's the Mountain Witch, and these are all important in their attempts to, you know, develop a popular appreciation for East Asian culture and gamers. Like, the intentions might be pure, okay? They, they could be written with the best of intentions um, by people who appear to appreciate Asian cultures, but... Th- especially L5R and Oriental Adventures, they do, like, more damage than good because they do more damage by reinforcing stereotypical understandings of Asia. So so if you go to, like, L5R, there, it's, like, and, like, Oriental Adventures, it's basically D&D's not Asia, like, not Japan. Yeah. It so clearly wants to be Japan, but they didn't want to be like, okay, let's literally write historical Japan and then make a historical Japanese RPG. Let's not do that. But instead, let's make our own fictional one. Okay, so we have to market this to an audience. 
and we want people to buy this. So we think, okay, what's exciting about feudal Japan? Well, I mean, samurai are pretty exciting. Bushido, you know, the way of the warrior is really exciting. Uh, you know, the Shinto gods are really exciting. Their mythology is really exciting. Okay, cool. We have we have a game. We have a world. But let let's say, and you know, maybe pun intended. Let's spice things up a bit. Okay, and let's throw in monks from China. You know, uh, mounted warriors from Mongolia. Yeah, there's literally, if you look at the map in this box uh, box set, the one of the areas in there is that's a Mongolian word. So. That's not even that. Oh, you know, it's a Chinese word. It's that it's Mongolian. That's very far well, geographically. What I, I like, I like Japan. what you said about it though, because you looked at it, and you're like, this is supposed to be Japan. Why isn't this an island? Yeah, there's also that. Um, so, but I mean, like all of these things, it's not the detail that specifically matters. It's not the fact that they included a Mongolian locale. It's not no. the fact that they didn't make it into an island. That is the problem. What is the problem? Is that? Um, I mean, it, it's is, that. Is oh, that like a different? cultures with very different histories with very different life um life views are conflated into one thing and are have become the symbol of this non-western non-tolkien-esque fantasy yeah which is that's a problem is that they they've become they're not a people and they're not a culture they're just they're just a cipher or a symbol yeah well i mean it's like it basically shows that like consumers want to consume an Asia that isn't diverse. They want to consume um, an Asia that's been basically this pastiche of everything that's air quotes cool about different regions of Asia. Because like Legend of the Five Rings and you know Oriental Adventures, okay, basically bring up the biggest issue that's raised by Orientalism. And it's that, like, Asian cultures can be viewed interchangeably. Yes. Because you've heard this, like, people say, oh, all, all you Asians look the same. Yes. Right? And, and that's what this game says. All of all the Asian cultures can be viewed the same. Yeah. Like, I've... we could have samurai and Shaolin monks. We could have Mongolian cavalry and, like, from, from like, Genghis Khan. But we could also have samurai. Yeah, I don't know if that's fair, though. I don't know if consumers necessarily are like, we want it all to be the same. I think this is the assumption that that creators make about consumers. But who knows? Like, you could make something that's way more historically accurate, more culturally uh, sensitive. (laughs) (laughs) Sensitive. And and maybe people will still buy them, buy their droves. Like, maybe if L5R, I don't know. I don't know the history of L5R. So maybe this is, like, something that's been pre-established already. pretty long history, yeah. So maybe they're like these locales, they've been there already, so they have to keep including them. But all I'm saying is you maybe like just no one has tried. And that's why we don't know. Uh, there's only been been the precedent of um, of this problematic way of presenting the Orient. Yeah. We haven't had um, an alternative, but who knows if someone were to put that out, maybe people would still buy them. But we just don't know because... It's not there. That's really it. Like, you know, the, these games like maintain a, the, the status quo. Like there's a there's an Asian woman in uh, the fifth edition D&D player's handbook. Mm-hmm. It's in I don't I don't remember the exact page, but it, it's in the section where you go to backgrounds, the, the soldier background. It's like a, a female samurai mm. and she's got like full body armor and like and it's like and it's like it's cool, but it's kind of there. There's like no context. It's like, oh, this is a soldier. 
Yeah, well, that's good. Yeah, and it's good, and it's, it's an improvement, and they clearly are trying to do better. Mm-hmm. Right, but it's still like this game came out this year. Yeah. Right, and it's still this giant misrepresentation of a blended East Asia. That that's what it is to me. And when we when we kind of like put out on the Twitter and my, and my own personal social media that we were going to be talking about this game, I got so many DMs, so many DMs, and 100% of them were from white dudes. And the undertone to all of those questions were, am I a racist for playing this game? Right. So, But, but I don't think, and I told them, I'm like, look, like, this game isn't racist. You enjoying this game? doesn't make you a racist. So it wasn't their commentary? They were just asking you? No, but it was it was their commentary. Like, oh, like, I host this podcast. We play this game, and we mm-hmm. want to know how we can do it better. I see. And one, one person literally asked me, was like, hey, like, I've really enjoyed these games, and now you're kind of like, now I'm kind of worried. Does this make me a racist for enjoying this? So, like, I want to put a pin in that, where it's like a lot of people are always asking minorities to do emotional labor for them, to be like, oh, tell me I'm not racist. I mean, there's also sincere to be like, oh, I want to make sure that I'm I want to make sure I'm doing it right. And and Mm -hmm. for the people who did the podcast, I was like, you know what, like, listen to our episode when it comes out, Mm -hmm. and you'll see. Like, how, and and I think this kind of leads into my question that, like, how can we make it better i mean obviously the one solution is like ask yourself should you be writing this game should you be designing this game uh i've talked a lot about the the seventh c kitai game and how like the shenzo like source book Mm -hmm. has a lot of east asian authors on it yes who have backgrounds in east asian like art history and and anthropology and i think that's great because it's going to produce you know a book that will all, it's not even close to being done yet, but produce a book that will ultimately not be just for Asians, but be by people, but be written by people who are kind of, I don't want to say the authority because informed, I've, informed, like by, I mean, I, yeah, I feel like this is the, this is the key for sure. Um, the authors of that game or the creators of that game, what are, what's their background? Um, okay. I so I look, I looked into it and certainly like the original l5r is like it's a white dude Mm. um the art director there's two art directors on this game at least in in this package when i was reading the book and uh, one of them is asian and i I think like it certainly paints like a certainly a way more respectful view of asians but it still has that same fundamental problem in that it's reductionist. So we can talk about it in two parts. One part is if you're a creator, uh, how how do you handle this? Um, because I think there are a lot. Again, there are a lot of creators that are well intentioned. Even the people that are that made L5R, right? Like even this versions of it, this version of it, the, the people are not trying explicitly to be racist. No, of course not. And those are not the people that we're talking about here. The, that's not the kind of content that we're talking about. No, and I don't about. think any game creators are out there trying to be racist, trying to be like, okay, so here's how I'm going to undermine Asians. Yeah, so there's there's that. So one part is how do we create res- respectfully? Uh, and then the other part would be as a consumer, how do you consume respectfully? So let's talk about like as a creator first. If, let's say, you are a white man, as is the case with most creators in this community, what do you do? I, th- I th- so so he- here's the thing: like, there are ways that you can mechanically reinforce bad stereotypes. So in the original Oriental Adventures, like, it adds a new stat 
to characters that play using this book. And that's that is comeliness. What? Like yeah. How okay, good looking so, you are? Yeah. So if you're if you're looking at your Oriental Adventures headbook. Oh my gosh. Because I have a vintage it's in perfect along. it's in perfect condition too. Um That's great, Daniel. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I uh, I don't know, take it out of the imaginary Asians represent budget. <laughs> um but it says comeliness reflects physical attractiveness, social grace, and personal beauty. Okay. Okay. So it's like charisma. But it says comeliness is not charisma, but charisma okay. can affect comeliness. Okay. And so, like, how I read this is like, okay, so charisma is a, a character's persuasiveness, personal magneticism, and ability to lead. I get that. That's like it's your personality. Um, but here's the thing. No other edition of D&D has ever had comeliness. And when you bring in comeliness and personal, and you use words like grace and beauty. Language is so important. Language is so important. And one of the biggest issues that, like, Asian men face is this, like, Asian men are, are, like, seen as, like, so low on dating. Right? Like, I'm, like, I'm, I'm you know, a Canadian-born Chinese man. And I've almost like all of my partners have been like almost exclusively non-Asian. And like, I don't, that just kind of worked out that way. And the same girlfriend who's, (laughs) whose family called me like, oh, an Oriental man said, oh, before I started dating you, Daniel, I never thought Asian men were attractive. And I was like, never, never have you look at all of the celebrities, look at all the Asian celebrities and they're like handsome as fuck. Right. Yeah, that's true. But you you take like you use a stat like comeliness, and you make grace and beauty an element of characters in D anD D, a mandatory element when you already have charisma. Right. Not yeah. that those characteristics are, are negative no, at not, all. No, not that yeah. they're char- not the. But uh, as like an Asian man mm, growing it up, that, it reinforces yeah. the stereotype that all Asian men are like effeminate. Effeminate. Yeah. That's that's the word I was looking for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's that that's how I read that. Yeah, and also it emphasizes it's like that is that stat is given as much weight as everything else as exactly. strength as mm-hmm. you know whatever the other Like you could be cuz <laughs> cuz you're so not like you could <laughs> Sorry, be strong. I don't like D&D. <laughs> you could be dexterous, you could have high constitution, you could be intelligent, wise and charismatic, but you could also be an effeminate man. Or you could just be beautiful. And there's, and and there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, and that's the em- but the problem is the emphasis, right? Is it's, is that this matters just as much as how strong you are. Exactly. That's weird. <laughs> yeah, that that really bothers me. That doesn't matter in a different game, but it matters in a game that is D and D. Yeah, and it, it it bothers me that like because you want to have high stats, you want to have high values in those that a powerful like uh, like a super powerful character also like might have to be a super effeminate man and there's nothing wrong with that but again it reinforces that stereotype that all asian men are effeminate yeah, yeah. And, it, and it perpetuates that kind of small-mindedness that your ex yeah 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 and it also on the flip side not just for the male perspective but also it perpetuates this kind of image of uh let's say east asian women as like or just Asian women in general as like um, kind of like sexually available and or uh, supplicant. There's a submissive, submissive, subservient. Yeah. It's either like, so you see these tropes in like 
sort of like oriental fiction. And it's you can, you're either for Asian women, you're either like, you know, subservient and submissive, or you're like that dragon lady. You're like that femme fatale. You're somebody who's ultimately going to be evil. Like dragon lady is actually a term that refers to like Asian women who are villainous. Yeah. And in both cases, sex is a big deal because Huge. also this is about the male gaze and like what men conceive of when they think of like Asian women. But the thing is, it doesn't just affect how like men see it, right? Then this also affects, for example, like for me, I grew up here in North America as an East Asian woman. And this affects how I think about myself. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. From the things that I watch and from the things that I read, then I'm like, oh, like, I don't know how it, it took me a while to like think of myself outside of these boxes. Mm. Right. And that's why it's problematic as well. When you have only these aspects in a game, when you're talking about, let's say, anyone who's of the Orient. Yeah. That, that's why I loved Crazy Rich Asians so much. And I will speak about that movie at any opportunity that yep. I can. Because there he goes again. Because I literally went on like this huge rant about it earlier when we were prepping. And could, because Crazy Rich Asians, while it has that really generic, like it gets no points for plot, right? Even though it has that really generic romantic comedy plot, it puts, and, and this is only my perspective, right? It puts Asian men in a position where they're seen as, you know, masculine. Mm-hmm. Right, this is a dude in his shirt. He ends up being like a terrible character, but there's like a shirtless guy and Harry Shum Jr. is at the end. I'm like, oh goddamn. Yeah, and they're like desirable. They're desirable. They're presented as desirable. And it's and it's why I also like Kim's Convenience. So right. I mean, the, the majority of the people who are watching this are probably American, uh, but I think it's on American Netflix now. Um, but there's a show produced in Toronto called Kim's Convenience, and it's based on a stage play, uh, but it's about a family living in Toronto that operate a convenience store. And one of the main characters, uh, he's in the TV show uh, portrayed by Simu Liu. Uh, his name is Jung. And he has this like rough like growing up. He has this big falling out with his dad. He's kicked out of the house. Um, but in the show, he's you know portrayed as very good looking and desirable by characters who aren't Asian. And I think that's really huge. Like that's really big for me. Right. Because I'm like, oh, I'm an Asian man. I can be desirable to anyone. Mm -hmm. And comeliness, uh, I feel like really damages that. Yeah. And so and another thing that we want to talk about is that uh, we don't want, um, let's say, Asian people to be presented as only tools to help non-Asian people, a.k.a. white grow into their like best selves. So we're thinking about like Iron Fist. Oh, gotta God damn. Jay, did you ever watch Iron Fist? No. Don't. I I mean, watch it. See what you think. I don't know. This is exactly the reason why I don't play those games, for example. She, she keeps hitting the mic. I'm sorry. It's okay. <laughs> Impassioned. <laughs> yeah, you're just like, oh, Iron Fist. And you hit it with your fist. Yeah, so Iron Fist is one example. Karate Kid is one example. There are so many of Doctor these. Strange. Yeah. Oh my gosh, don't don't talk to me. About I watched that. Strange. Yeah. Yeah, it's just like oh. Where why? it's like it's like one person is like oh like I I feel like so like my life is not fulfilling and then let me like get all these Asian cultures and like Asian resources to make me into a better person. But also, who who cares about all those people that actually live there or you know. Why, why does the white dude have to have all the power? Yeah. So that 
I mean, you know, it's fine for people to grow into their best selves and <laughs> through whatever resource possible. But the problem is that this is a continuous trope, right? This is a common story that we see where like Asian people are only there to like build up this usually white man, but also could be a white woman. Let's yeah. <laughs> you know? But it's usually a white man, let's yeah, be honest. equal opportunity, I guess. Um, and, then, and then they just fade into the background. And we yeah. don't know about their daily lives. We don't know about their own struggles. It's just not important. And that is this erasure of their personhood. Yeah, that a- is Asian erasure. That, that's like a giant thing. But then, and then there's also like to, to compound that, there's also this argument that like, oh, well, Danny Rand, the main character of Iron Fist, well, he's white in the comics. So? He doesn't have to be white on the TV show. It's like, oh, uh, why can't Doctor Strange have been... Asian, because he, he, like that that power is there. Benedict Cumberbatch, this brilliant doctor, he portrays like Stephen Strange is portrayed as a brilliant doctor. Being a brilliant doctor does not mean you are brilliant in magic. Like, oh, you can make hand gestures, and come on. Um. Yeah, I don't feel like that really. <laughs> I don't know. I I'm very passionate about why I did not like Doctor yeah, Strange. Yeah, I feel like that doesn't that could be a different problem. In itself, uh, the, but it, the, it's, it all, it's got that white savior. Yes, that's I, the problem. I, I, yeah, I, I think the the fact that you know he's a doctor or whatever. Anyway, that doesn't. No, no, the, him being a doctor is not the issue. It's him being somebody from a position of privilege. Okay, going to an Asian country, learning from them, and then saving them. Yes. So then, so I think we talked a lot about like what are damaging Asian stereotypes, and then also like what are things maybe that oh but we were talking about what creators should do. oh what creators should do yes. so we talked about what creators should not do but what they should do is they should get like uh like seventh c you should get a lot more people who are of the background that you want to talk about i was gonna say yeah you asked um what should white creators do for example in wanting to uh, depict an Asian culture, was that it? Yeah, they should just not. Is my opinion. You should just not. Yeah, that's what. They, yeah. Or should they, they should have somebody uh, from that culture, heavily consulted, or just a part of the design team for sure. Just like question, like, should I make this? No. Yeah, that's, that's exactly it. Like, if you're if you're sitting at home and you're like, man, I really or, want to write a game about feudal Japan. I guess the question uh, would be why. That's what I would start yeah. with. Yeah. Why do you want to make this? And I don't know if it's to, like, elevate Asian cultures or, like, show appreciation for them. I would want to invite somebody from that culture to come in and inform me. Yeah. So, like, for instance, if, uh, you know, I don't know, you know, what if you you have, like, a PhD in art history and you're not Asian – but you have a PhD in like Asian art history and you really want to design a board game or an RPG about Asia. Let's say, I don't know, Three Kingdoms because I'm looking at my copy of Romance of the Three Kingdoms up there. Uh, Three Kingdoms, China. Sure. I mean, like, I feel like it can be heavily informed by your education and that's that's valuable, but there's so many nuances there too. Yeah. So do you think like maybe I should be like, oh, well, I'll collaborate with an Asian like illustrator or graphic designer. Yeah, I mean, there's that. That's that's an element to it, but there's also the experience that you're crafting in, in the design of the game itself, not just the aesthetics of it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a complicated. I, th- and- I 
Yeah, go go for it. I think I think you really hit on it when you say when you said um, ask yourself why. Mm. Mm-hmm. That is so important. Sorry, go 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 for it. Sorry. Oh. <laughs> and that is so important. Why do you you imaginary creator mm-hmm. want to write this? What what is your purpose? So if you want to let's say celebrate this culture, this period in history, this event these values, um, or if you want to interrogate it, that's fine. But why do you think that you are the best person to do it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, or do you think that you are the best person to do it? If well, you think yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like when I remember when I was talking about Gen Con and how I saw uh, that rifts like arms, armor, weapons of Asia or something. And I was like, Oh, it's written by a white guy and is like super stereotypical. And then I went and asked the Palladium people. I was like, oh, okay, like, can you tell me about this author? I'm just curious. And they were like, well, I think he lived in Asia. Yeah. But the thing is, it's also like, I don't want to say that people can't, you know, they can't. Yeah. We shouldn't be, we shouldn't be gatekeepers either. Mm. Because I think that is the tone that has been a majority of this episode so far. And that's not what we want to do. And I do want to say, for example, there are some games that I think have been doing it pretty well and are pretty sensitive. Um, There's, there's one game. (laughs) Think about it. By Toe. Look it up. Well, I, I think you're, no, you're absolutely right. We, that's one of the things that I struggle with, and especially with Asians represent as a podcast itself. We're, we're not here to be, you know, gatekeepers of all things Asian. What we're trying to do with this episode is open up a dialogue between Asian creators, you know, and non-Asian creators. It's okay if you want to go and create a board game, because you see a lot more board games than RPGs, um, a board game about Asia. But, but like you said, Jade, like, one of the things that you should do is ask, why am I doing this? And should I be doing this? Mm-hmm. And if you in your heart think that the, your answers are sufficient enough, by all means, go ahead. By all means, do so. We're not here to stop you. And we're not here to like, criticize your work. But there needs to be some thought that goes into place before you go and produce a product like that. So um, an example of a game that I think is very well done in terms of the research and the sensitivity in it is A Single Moment by Toby Abad. Okay, I'm going to look that up. Sorry. Is it a board game? I apologize, Toby. Um, No, it's a two-player tabletop RPG. Oh, cool. And it's about samurais, and it's about, like, the... It's very... um, it's very film inspired of like a lot of these like samurai films where in the end it like culminates in I like the cover. This like one off between these two samurai and then it, you kind of play out the build up to that point. Hmm. Like nice. what is your relationship and then like what happens and it's the research about like kind of uh the values of like samurai and uh, you know the the bushido and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um it was very well done. It was very sensitively done. It's it, I don't feel like when I was playing and when I was reading through it, that it was um, fetishizing in any way or drawing on stereotypes. So I think there are examples of games that that are sensitively done and that is doable. Yeah, Um, totally doable. We're not saying that, like, like, again, we're not saying, like, if you're not Asian, you can't write about Asians. Yeah, so I want to celebrate that here right Mm -hmm. now. Good job, Toby. (laughs) Yeah, way to go. Uh, so I'm if you go to drivethroughrpg.com, <laughs> just go to a single moment. It's from Gallant Night Games. 
Um, and I think another thing is just get, just ask people, like hire people to be your like cultural consultant. Yeah, Hi- hire like hire an me. editor. Yeah, hire me. Hire Agatha. May- maybe I need a job. Okay, <laughs> okay, let's calm down. Um, no, no, no. This but, is your platform. But legit though, like I can tell you if something's racist. Yeah. And then you can take it from your book, and then people won't say that it's racist. <laughs> yeah, then you won't have people like us talking about it. I would also say ask many people, as many people as you can. Yeah. Yeah, Play we test. all have different perspectives. Yeah. Honestly, we are here. We, we are available to be your resource. Please, yeah. use us to help you stop being racist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or, or like at least help us help you be a little bit more sensitive. But also recognize that there's uh, emotional labor that is involved and compensate us. Exactly. So like pay me for it and I'll tell you. So instead of DMing me, just like actually like hire me. Yes. Yes. Right? Or like, you know, hire Agatha. Yeah, hire hire, hire Jade. I'll take it. Yeah. Now, now, I think that was like super constructive, but I, I think it's time to go into the other half of what Asians represent is all about. Oh, and the, the other half of it is obviously celebrating Asian creators. Sound effect. Sorry. Let, let's get into it. Over a month ago. Was it already? I think it was over a month ago. It was before you went to Queen City Conquest. It was before I went to Queen City Conquest. Mm. Uh, you got my partner and I tickets to go do the uh, an escape game but it was not just an escape game we, was what we talked about later mm-hmm. uh, a sort of a live interactive theater slash it was like a role-playing experience like a, it was almost like a LARP mixed with puzzles mi- mixed with an escape room mm-hmm. it was really cool but it was an experience called King of the Bootleggers at Casaloma here in Toronto and Jade like you work with a company that designs these sort of augmented reality i don't even know how would you describe them because they're because they're so complex and nuanced well um well we do i guess identify as an experienced design studio and i think that just leaves space for um what innovation moving forward yeah and that kind of encompasses the the games for example that we are generating at this moment and some of the ideas that we have coming up as well. So I'm a game designer and the for the company, and it's called Secret City Adventures. <clears throat> and we have a lot of different types of experiences, yeah. For example, we have three games installed up at this castle, essentially, that's yeah. in the northern end of downtown Toronto. Four, actually, soon. Yeah, you guys have a new, new one coming out. Soon. Yeah, that's that's one that I'm working on at this moment. Actually, we're, we're working on installing that. Um, we also have a game installed in this 1800s preserved pioneer village called yeah. Black Creek. Yeah, that one's cool because when you were talking about how you design these games, how you and your colleagues design these games, I was basically like. Oh, you're basically just literally designing a dungeon and an encounter in D and D because you're you're des- you're using heritage spaces and transforming them into, you know, educational, interactive, entertainment. But you also have to anticipate, you know, how people are going to interact with these in real time. And there's like so many factors involved. And, and like Agatha said on episode zero of the podcast. You know, when we mean analog, we mean Agatha's just like, uh-huh. Yeah, that's right. It's me. <laughs> uh, well, when we mean analog, we mean like, we mean analog. 
And like, so it's not just board games. It's not just like pen and paper RPGs. It's also, you know, live action experiences. And, and that's what you do. And we think you're like, you're the perfect guest because A, you're awesome. Thank you. Um, and, you're and, not wrong. <laughs> I know. And B, but what you do in addition to your game design also kind of really works into what we're talking about in, in this episode. Like, and like, I really want, like, I, I know a lot about you, um, but I think the audience really needs to know, like, how did you get into this? Yeah, well, I went to school for industrial design, um, which is essentially the design of products and processes, both physical and digital. Um, and I came onto the team initially as their first in-house interaction designer right and props and puzzle fabricator and then shortly after i came, i moved on to their game design team because it's very very integrated especially in those experiences uh-huh yeah and that was that was the beginning of it all that was the beginning of it all i was like oh i was just thinking like oh man we should play D, and then we'll have like oh we're like armor and yes <laughs> i really want a suit of like larp armor yeah, and I, I would I would literally wear it for every game. I was like, we're not even playing a fantasy game. I, I don't care. I'm wearing my armor. Like, yeah. So, yeah. what is it like, like being? Because you said that you were the like you you are a full time game designer. That yeah. is your job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm really yeah. I'm really lucky. Yeah. Yeah. I'm that really is, grateful that for job. that. Yeah. <laughs> it's really awesome. And you're also the the one woman designer of color. Is that what you said? Yeah. So we are a small team, but um, there was so there was a chunk of time where I was the only woman and person of color on the creative team. Now we have a graphic designer named Karen. She's also Asian. Um, go Karen! Go Karen! Yeah, go Karen! <laughs> You're awesome. But, we should have Karen on the podcast right? too. <laughs> but otherwise, uh, I'm still the only woman and person of color uh, on the the game design team, and. Yeah, that's certainly come, that's, yeah, with its challenges. Yeah, did you, like, I mean, like, you told me, like, um, King of the Bootleggers, I found out, wasn't even one you designed. No, I know, <laughs> tricked you. I didn't, you tricked me. I just wanted you to play a game. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'd be like, I, I was just like, just sign us up, we'll do whatever. I want to do them all, they all look dope. The one that we're installing right now, um, we're actually just moving uh, one of our games from George Brown House. We had it installed What's in George, George Brown, Brown House? House. It's actually at Baldwin and Beverly. Just oh, really? The, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a historical house there? Oh, I know, yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's what, That's something that's really cool, I think, about um, our games is just the ability to really highlight these spaces that yeah. are otherwise like overlooked. Like I had walked past that space every day when I was going to OCAD, which is like very nearby. And I just yeah. did not OCAD know OCAD is it the existed. Ontario College existed. of Art and Design. Mm -hmm. And, you know, That's... really cool uh, coincidence. One of the main characters of Kim's Convenience, her character is an yeah. OCAD student. She does photography. And they is. make the school look really, really good. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's a cool school for sure, but it looks really good. Do I have to put a show. disclaimer now for OCAD? Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like, okay, so, I mean. So are there any challenges that you were facing as the one woman designer of color, like, on the team? Yeah, well, so. I mean, there doesn't have to be. Yeah, there doesn't have to be. Definitely is the answer, but um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's been really interesting. So um, I remember the first time it dawned on me just in general. So we were working on Black Creek, 
And that, how many people are in that game? 60 this people. Is a 60-person escape game, Incredibly basically. ambitious. So, like, you're working with lots and lots of people. This is not a solo effort whatsoever. Uh, well, there were two game designers on that project. It was... It was it was very difficult. Um, yes. So there are two game designers on that project, one being me, and then we hired another person uh, to do props. Right. And then we've had we had like a few other people help out with like logistics and things like that. Cool. And so when we were designing this game, <clears throat> I remember early on. So the premise is essentially that you're lifting a curse from this village. And early on in the ideation phase, we were pivoting on something, but uh, we were talking about contextualizing the players. So uh, when they first come into the village, like, who are they? Why are they helping out? Yeah. So, um, so the classic conundrum of even a D&D character. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> and uh, players separate into groups of six. So we're like, what are these groups of people? And so the other designer was like, how about they're like families so like they're the robertsons they're the, they're the walkers blah 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 and i was like well i don't i don't know that's the most inclusive solution yeah <laughs> these are all very very white names yeah and in general though the ideas of the idea of like um these groupings of families like i'm thinking about like i have a lot of white friends for example and i'm, yeah. I'm thinking about like going to play this game myself with any combination of them and the feeling that I would get if someone were like, even if it were like a very short thing, like if someone were like, okay, the the walkers or whatever. But the thing that really got me in this moment, I think, was that when I was like, I don't know, that's the most inclusive um, idea, was that um, it was it was kind of met with like a, and by kind of, I mean like I remember this verbatim, but it was uh, uh, it's no one's gonna care. Right. And that, well, that hit me first because I was like, well, I'm saying that I would care. I'm literally saying that I would care. Um, and it became this little debate in the office because we uh, kind of have like an open office. <clears throat> and everybody was chiming in at this point. And everyone was like, no, I think it's, I think that's a fine idea, really. And that was the moment where I was looking around and I was like, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh! <laughs> nobody gets <laughs> nobody. Why, nobody gets it. Not even a little bit. They they're like, no, this is fine. And so um, we ended up being like, um, whatever. We're gonna test it, and you know, we'll 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 take that feedback. And if somebody's like, oh, that was weird, then then we'll change it. No problem. But I was just like, um, firstly, if this is an arbitrary decision. We can think of another. We yeah. can think of other categorizations easily. Yeah. This is like the first thing we came to. Yeah. Um, and if it like even is at risk of being problematic, we can just what's the, just we like, can just think of something else. Just it's get fine. it right now before we even have to deal with the public or any feedback. Yeah, it. exactly. But also, um, I was what I realized was that if I were testing the game, and I found myself feeling that that twinge of like, oh, that's a bit weird. Um, when I put myself in those shoes, I realized that I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have given that feedback. I, I would have, that would have been a subconscious thing and I wouldn't have given that feedback because what I think I would have thought was like, well, this isn't made for me. This, the, like, this will probably be fun for um, the, the, the regular person who will play this. Like, right. I would not think of it. Mm -hmm. um, 
but you also want to produce something that you would also want to consume, right? Right, but this is that's really interesting where that is the fallback where a lot of times when you, we encounter things, we were like, oh, but I guess this isn't made for me and this is a thing that people who are minorities mm-hmm. often feel yeah. and this is a norm. Yeah, exactly. Like, I, I'm so certain I wouldn't have, like, maybe now because I, I've been working on, like, being very critical about the instances I feel these sorts of things. But, um, and back then I was as well, but like still I, I realized at that moment that I just, I wouldn't have. It's just something that would have been completely subconscious. Um, and I feel like we have such a huge responsibility as creators to identify these biases. Um, yeah, identify these biases and like protect, protect your players sort of thing. I mean, yeah, you're doing exactly what we were talking about earlier. Like you're involved with the process. Mm-hmm. You're you're making it known that something is problematic and you're actively trying to make change within a project. Yeah. And it was it was also a moment that was like kind of well, definitely ter- terrifying in ways. Um, if we also look at um, my perspective is, is still limited. Like Everybody in the design studio at that point, they were um, cis white men. And it's like, we're missing a lot of perspectives, so many perspectives. I can't speak to all these other perspectives at all. And mm-hmm. and like I am constantly challenged with holding down my own and like picking and choosing my battles. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, look, looking for the hill that you're going to die on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Basically, right? As fatalistic as that sounds. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and that wasn't, that wasn't even a battle that I... That wasn't a battle that I won. I wasn't ready to... I didn't realize I had to fight that battle, I think. And that was a, that was a catalyst to... Um, uh, yeah, I guess my approach to the rest of my time spent there. Yeah. <laughs> So, oh, go for it, go for it. So is there something that you do feel like that was like, yeah, I, I think I really made my mark in a positive way? Yes. So, um, okay, I can't talk in detail about this project because it's been put on pause, but um, uh, last year, around December or so, I came onto a project as lead as lead designer, um, and there were five. There were five men, cis white men, on the project, um, and they were all very. very <laughs> <laughs> we're all just trying out. Are. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm looking at. There, uh, there was Agatha a moment of yeah. Agatha <laughs> was, I can't, We're not even doing. We should live stream these because Agatha yeah, making these so. faces just like. There was a yeah, moment Agatha's of got really silent good laughing. reactions. <laughs> yeah. I wish. Yeah, I think you should consider capturing that. We should uh, now that I have the GoPro Hero Seven. Mm. <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> that's true. We can live stream. No, we we should consider live streaming. Yeah, we should also get GoPro to sponsor us. <laughs> yep. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's a goal. Um, but yeah, so um, to, to bring it back. Yeah, to bring but, it back to um, the real issue right here. <laughs> so I came onto this project, and it was after like a few months of like toiling around um, for the people that were originally on this project. Like I kind of came into um, to fix it, so to speak, and and so uh, the day that I officially joined as lead designer on the project, uh, we got a poster back um, from 
our graphic designer that was going to be released to um, with all of the other marketing things uh, the, the week after. And I know that there was a lot of back and forth about that poster. And so that, it was something that um, everyone had been frustrated about for a while. And it was just like it was the, it was the final um, version. And that was that. And I took a look at it. <clears throat> it was the first thing. It was like 8 a.m. I took a look at it, and um, and it was oh, how do I talk about this without it being? <laughs> <laughs> don't don't reveal uh, anything was, that we should we, yeah. we, we should know. Um, well, I mean, the, I think it'll be fine. <laughs> but um, it was a poster of a man in a red car. Uh, this is like 19. 19- 40s kind of okay. vibe. Uh, man in a red car facing um, the background with looking at a woman in a red dress uh, in front of a marquee. And um, I was like, I don't think I can leave this project. <laughs> I, I, if this is something I absolutely can't change, I don't know that I can champion this. Um, it was also my first opportunity um, as lead on a project um, and I like considered for a second because I was like, this is such a good opportunity. But it was like I couldn't consider it for very long at all. I was just like, this is not. Yeah, I, I can't champion this. So if, what was yeah. the problem with it? Um, that it really objectified the woman. Yeah. Uh, she matched his car. Uh, it was just like a very, very typical depiction of, of that. And um, I just was not interested in in putting that out there's nothing about that that uh was yeah it's like you didn't want to be a part of that yeah yeah yeah, yeah. um and like it being the the main image for our game too i just didn't i just couldn't see um i don't know reconciling that with any of my values <laughs> yeah yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and so anyway um I brought that up and I was like, I can't do this. And uh, I had a, actually a very supportive team and I'm so grateful for them uh, because when I sat down for our first meeting and I brought it up, <clears throat> they were all like, holy crap, I didn't, I didn't realize at all that this was a problematic image. But now that you say that, I can totally see that. And, um, um, and they were like, and this is what makes me feel like you were the right person to take on this role. And so I was just so grateful for that That's support. Great. Then we took it on, we took it to um, the execs and, um, and I was like really glad to have this team behind me. I was still ready to, to be taken off of it because they had, I know that they were like toiling around for so long, but um, they, they pivoted really easily. They're like, Oh yeah, that's fair. And then, oh. and they just <laughs> like, they just removed the woman, <laughs> which is, which is like fine enough. But um but yeah, 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 yeah. So I'm really grateful. I'm really um, proud, proud of that moment. Yeah, um, where yeah. you spoke up and it was heard. Yeah, and not. I was. I was just so scared that I would be met with um, a lot more resistance or um, uh, trivialization. Like that's not a problem. Whatever. Um, they they that, took you seriously. They took me seriously, and and they appreciated that perspective. Um, and they were also open to seeing that straight away. It's just something that they just weren't thinking of. But it was also a moment where I'm like, this is terrifying. <laughs> this is, yeah, this is a lot of responsibility. Um, yeah, this is a lot of responsibility. So everybody, 
have diverse uh, creative teams. And also don't mess with Jade. Also don't mess with me. <laughs> yeah, it's when you have diverse people on there, they'll point things out to you that you didn't see before. Yeah, yeah and so not only that, but like, um, so something I really appreciated hearing a lot of at Gen Con, yeah. which is where I met Daniel. Yes, um, but no, we, I mean... We, we kind of met at a damage camp. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I, I first saw him at damage camp last year. Well, like, I met you. Yeah, okay, <laughs> or yeah. Whatever. We, we met, I yeah, guess, sure, right sure. at damage camp. <laughs> but um, something that I really appreciated seeing a lot of or hearing a lot of at Gen Con was, like, this recognition of why, it was, why people wanted to have... Um, diverse tables uh why they wanted to gm for diverse tables why they wanted to play at diverse tables and it wasn't just because of like um they see the value in inclusivity or like like for the social cloud or whatever right but it was because they realized that um you just can create uh better stories yeah better better multifaceted narratives. Absolutely, yeah. When you include people that have lived through different experiences, have dealt with different things, uh, and they bring it to them at the to the table, you can just create better stories. And something that I kept hearing was like um, this recognition that like they're tired of um, playing the same story over and over again. Yeah. Because another thing at, about Gen Con was that it was very uh, homogenous. No, it was, it was <laughs> yeah. very. I mean, we can say it, it's a very white con. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, we talked about this. We talked about how I was like every zero. time I saw an Asian person at Gen Con, I was like, "What's up?" Because yeah. <laughs> it was just like so few of them. I actually, um, there were a few moments that I felt really safe there, to be honest. And one of them was like when I was walking with you from the um, wherever that area was to. The magpie booth. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was one of the few moments where I was like, uh, I felt like comfortable. Yeah, like we were, navigating you and I were just chilling. Yeah, we just yeah, chilling. yeah, yeah. And, then, and like magpie games, they did a wonderful job. Also of, that, yeah. Like, like creating a safe and an inclusive gaming space. Yeah. It was really well done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they did. Like really well done. I think like every publisher, if they're doing organized play, should follow what magpie did. They did a really good job at Gen Con. Which is why I will volunteer for Magpie. Forever. Forever. To the end of time. <laughs> <laughs> I will volunteer with them forever. But so I can't have PAX Unplugged because I'm busy. <laughs> that is fair. Yeah, but like, no, Gen, Gen Con, you're right, was like really white. But, and when, when we were talking at Gen Con, you were saying how you actually, the, the main thing you did there was actually go to panels. Yes, because I didn't really feel comfortable um, playing any games. Yeah. And I kind of recognize that pretty early on pretty early on i just knew that i i don't know i didn't think rather that i had the energy to not contest problematic behaviors that i saw at the table and because i was also just like just walking through the space i was like um getting a lot of like or experiencing a lot of microaggressions just like oh really yeah just through the what's the main hall called the exhibitor hall? The exhibitor hall? The exhibitor hall? The exhibitor, the exhibitor hall? hall? Something yeah. like that. Um, I don't know if I mentioned to you, but, like, I was asked if I gamed, like, no you more than, like, yeah, 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 yeah. Six times, no less than six times. Um, like, people 
asked you if you gamed? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. you're like, oh. When you're at Gen Con? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So at first I was like, okay, maybe they're just like fans of, I don't know, like little fan subcultures that don't touch games or whatever. But that no, was Gen Con. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I realized afterwards and I was getting real offended <laughs> at that time. How dare you? Yeah, exactly. But well, I just remember there was that one booth and it was like all of these like, anime girls it was like this there's like few of them there's this like. there's this board game and it was just like all about it's like all of these like very overly sexualized anime girls mm-hmm. and all of the staff were white dudes yeah but like everywhere too but you should go yeah <laughs> you should go to gen con actually yeah i feel like i mean i haven't gone to a lot of cons before but there were a couple of instances where i was in a more con-like setting and I was intensely uncomfortable. But this is also possibly because we live in Toronto, which is super, I think, the most multicultural mm-hmm. city oh, that, that you would ever encounter. Super diverse. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, I was just like, oh, my gosh. It's like literally all, everyone is white and also everyone is male. And, hey, no shade. Also, hashtag not all men. But it's like sometimes you just get a little Thank scared. You. <laughs> where you're like, oh, I don't know what could happen. Where was it? Um, I don't really remember, but I just remember there was one specific instance where I also felt that, and I was well, like, mm, well, it's even to, like Fan Expo is I far need to more find diverse. Friends. Yeah. Uh, another thing was that I was like, this is Trump's America. <laughs> yeah, it really <laughs> that is. It really added a layer to my fear. Like, I met a lot of really awesome people at Gen Con. Mm, yes. Like, I really enjoyed when we hung out. We hung out for like six hours very or something. long time, yeah. Something like that. It was like super cool, like mostly in the magpie room. Mm. But, like, I went out, like, my, uh, my my buddy Joe DeSimone was there. And, like, uh, I stayed with him and, like, Mark Richardson and Eric Paquette. Uh, Eric Paquette runs Can Games in Ottawa, which is cool. another con that's, like, really white. But they but the Ottawa game group, they really value safety. So it's done really well. Like, Mark Richardson, that's you know, cool. he's, he's famous for he wrote Headspace and he's working on Treads. Uh, and he's, like, obviously, like, a fantastic cartographer. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I was hang I was surrounded by people who were really great. Mm. And when I was walking around uh the you know, the con space, I would just put my headphones on and just ignore everybody because I didn't want to deal with it. Yeah. And like I do that a lot at cons. So if you see me at a con and I'm walking around with headphones, it's usually because like I li- I just don't want to interact with people because I don't want, you know, I just I just can't deal sometimes. Are you playing anything? What? Uh, oh yeah, I'm usually listening to a podcast. Mm, yeah, <laughs> I'm usually just learning or listening to a podcast or, or listening to music or something. Yeah, I was gonna say like that's that's an appealing idea. Why don't I do that? But I actually because like having headphones on is basically like a like a back the fuck off. Like don't talk to me because I'm listening to something. Yeah, and I'm trying to. Um, there's a feeling that I'm having right now. Oh, it's it's. I think it's because. And tell me if you feel this too, Agatha. But um, um, I think. I hesitate to do that because of safety. Yes. Of like, yeah, totally. That's looking, yeah. That's 100% oh, what I, I was see, thinking, I, I wouldn't even have, that's not even, yep. yeah, I wouldn't even even thought yep. about that. Right. This is a thing that, like, I have been told by multiple people, one of whom is my mom, to be like, you can't listen to, for example, like, when you're walking home at night, you can't be, like, very obviously right, listening you're cutting to yourself yeah. off. Head- like headphones or like earbuds because then people are like, oh, she's not paying attention. Rape yeah. opportunity. Yeah, Just yeah, kidding. Yeah. But like also kind of. No, but yeah. yeah, no, you're right. I didn't even think about that because like in my head, I'm like, oh, someone come at me. I'm going to. Yeah. Like, yeah. Nobody so would come safety, at me. Safety yeah. as a woman is very. Yeah. I would. Yeah. I would not do that. No, don't do that. I can't even think about that. 
yeah. didn't even think about that. Yeah, no, nobody you're, do you're, it. You're, yeah, you're, it's you're just right. A, it's just a different layer. Yeah. And, yeah. Regardless of whether or not you're listening to something, it's yeah. like yeah. Well, I would for sure not listen. Yeah. Well, I yeah. would have one in and then one out. Yeah. Or so just that, have earbuds. So or that you're constantly aware of your surroundings because mm-hmm. gotta be safe. I, I never even thought about that. Yeah. 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 You need a different method. <laughs> yeah, you need a different method then. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. hold a game book out. <laughs> hold a game book out? Uh-huh. Yes, I play games. I'm carrying them. Yeah, that's totally it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah and if someone is coming up to you, just like hold it in front of your yeah. face like a game screen. Yeah. <laughs> wear an aggressive shirt. I just need <laughs> to like have this. like a good... <laughs> wear an aggressive yeah. shirt. <laughs> that's it. Wear an aggressive shirt. Good God. Yeah, so... yeah. Oh, please, yeah. Asian represents merch. It should just have a shirt and it should just say aggressive shirt. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, that is so brilliant. This is really good. TM, TM. Yo, oh my gosh. <laughs> file that, file that. Please. But yeah, write, I have write, write the first down, write that down. print uh, of it. Oh my gosh. Please. Yeah. yeah. Aggressive shirt t-shirt. You just have aggressive shirt t-shirt. <laughs> That's a good one. So then also speaking, I guess we were talking about like Asian women in stereotypes. Um, you're speaking po- of aggressive shirts. Speaking of aggressive yeah. shirts. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, listen guys you no need to throw shade on my segue uh, so oh, you're a part it. of uh, Raw which is Raging Asian Women yeah tell us about that cool it's um so it's a taiko drumming collective um so taiko drumming is um I'm, I'm doing yeah. a really bad impression no it's great it's perfect oh yeah uh, <laughs> it's essentially Japanese drumming um and yeah we're a collective of um women in Toronto that uh, play taiko drums uh, as activism. It's super badass. Thank you. It's super badass. Did you say you play drums as activism? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. okay. It's awesome. That is sick. <laughs> it's, it's awesome, right? This is why I wanted Jade on the podcast. Yeah, I know. You've been hyping me, You've been hyping her up, and <laughs> okay. like, it's still Lives, okay. lives up good. to the hype. Yeah, Come on. It's true. Come on. <laughs> I'm just gonna have to edit in all these like. Uh, burr, 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 burr. I, I like I like uh, how just like Agatha's uh, <laughs> uh, representation of. Uh, so why we're a good team? Horn, so I think yeah. <laughs> yeah, you guys are great. Not because of Agatha's or sound helps, effects, <laughs> but I mean like definitely for. part of that. <laughs> don't, don't reduce yourself to just the the ham horn. I am the hype man. <laughs> you are the hype person. It's true. It's true. Is that how you're gonna introduce? Are you gonna be the hype person of our D and D game with the broadswords? I could. You know, if I had an air horn, I could. Play that could it. be like a bard, and you just have like an air horn all the time. Like, I'll give you inspiration. Boop, 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 boop. But you're a fighter. Oh but you're a fighter, so yes. you have to be I mean, front. you can have a, a, a air horn as yeah. air horns, because there are two when she does yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, you do too. <laughs> Double fist the air horns. <laughs> yeah. You can have light crossbows that make that sound whenever you shoot them. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. I'm so excited. You're by not... your halfling wizard. I could just use press the digitation. Wait, make air horns oh, all yeah. the time. You'll be each other's hype people. Oh my god, that's great! Oh, I like this a lot. <laughs> should I go to this con just you to watch should. this? You really should. I'll just go to watch this. Well, so, also enjoy games. Also enjoy games. Maybe if I find a safe enough space, I'll game with you. Ah, uh, great, sweet, just, just, just us. Yeah, I'm very safe. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. That's well, great. we we talked about well, because we we want to produce uh, Patreon exclusive content oh, yes. for the One Shot Network. Yes, and we talked about like you know us running games and maybe we should play we Legend should. of the Five Rings. A hundred percent. We should play this, but like play it respectfully. This is this is how you do it. And with we're Asian just, people. With Asian people. Yes. Right. Because there are 
four, three, three characters? Okay, no, dibs, four characters. Four dibs characters. Dibs on the Shaolin monk, though. You want the? Sh- I thought you wanted the the white hair. You you. Oh, I do so like the dude hair. with white hair. So there's hair. there's there's this like Sephiroth. <laughs> you just I'll have a giant sword. <laughs> well, I'm gonna be Tifa. No wait, is that her name? Tifa. Yep. I don't know. Or it's yeah. one of her their one. names. I've never. Oh, I just dropped it. I've never. Uh, there's like all these different characters. So each character has a book. And Agatha was like, yo, I want that one. No, no, no. I was like, I appreciate Oh, no, yo, I, lo- I appreciate her hair. So no, his hair. It's is, a dude. It's a dude? I don't hair. know. Mm. Nah, it's 100% a dude. I mean, yeah. It could be whatever you want it to be. I've watched enough anime. I know this. Yo, I'm so into My Hero Academia right now. <laughs> I'm so, we going to talk about this later? I'm so deep into it every night. but Because I have trouble sleeping. So I'm like, maybe this is why I have trouble sleeping. But I'm like lying in bed and reading it on my phone. <laughs> Plus, so into it. Yeah, this is hundred percent a guy. Also, his name is Len. There's no, there's no lady that's called Len. But anyway, <laughs> this would actually be a cool game. Yeah, yes, we should, we should we play, play or it. an interesting game. I want, I want to be that. Ooh. Sorry, what? Was it? I want to be that shirtless Shaolin monk who is tattooed, quote, quote, quote unquote Japanese. Anyway, mm? so you were saying that you did taiko drum for activism. Yeah, yeah. super dope. Well, like, <clears throat> well, okay. Oh, let me tell you. Let me tell you. Um, well, firstly, okay. Um, I have to like zoom out because I've just been so into it. Uh, firstly, like I kind of, okay. Visibility, number one. Um, I I spoke about this a bit on um, Daniel's podcast, uh, Curiosity and Focus, but <clears throat> when I first saw Raw perform, it was at, it was at, World Pride in Toronto, and I was just so taken aback by by seeing so many strong Asian bodies uh, on that float, just like I don't know, unabashedly just just going at it, and like taiko drumming too. I don't know if you've um, if you've watched any or heard any, but like it's it's incredibly powerful. You really have to give it your all. To, uh, it's, <laughs> so there's to play. A, a certain degree of physicality there's involved a huge, in it. Yeah, yeah. huge <laughs> amount of physicality involved. It's like um, very martial arts esque, I would say. <clears throat> but um, at that time, I, well, and just, I guess, generally, I like bombarded with these images of uh, stereotypical Asian women not being like that. Mm-hmm. And, um, and uh, the majority of the women in the group also identify as queer. And, like, it was just uh, everyone looked very different. And it was one of my first experiences just seeing that sort of representation within a group of Asian women. Like, it was just so it, – it looked – this seems so diverse and they were doing things that like I just wouldn't expect Asian women to do. And um, and I hate, hate myself a little bit for having that bias too when I when I saw that. But like it's definitely there are definitely things that um, you know we internalize and um, and that was a huge moment for me in recognizing how deep seated that was. <clears throat> and like I'm my time with them has been so transformative to be honest. Um and also just like having the opportunity to be on stage with them and portray myself in that way, that has been 
uh, incredible and it's really helped me come into myself because like something you were saying earlier Agatha was that um, what was it it was about like how um, oh these de- depictions are like uh, Asian de- women yeah are damaging for us yes. you know yeah. for, uh, like uh, um, not just because of how people whoa sorry not it, just it, so I'm it, super it, impassioned yeah it is communicating the mic it's all well. good no worries no worries <laughs> But um, not just because of how people interact with us, but how we think of ourselves. And uh, like I was certainly. It's all all good. Yeah, it's all good. (laughs) I was certainly. um, uh, I I can think of a lot of moments in my life where I was like, I'm doing this wrong. I'm doing this Asian woman thing wrong. (laughs) You know, I'm not. I'm not um, subservient. I'm not all these these other things. and like also like I was talking to one of my coworkers about this the other day um, and we were talking about how um, another thing that uh, like Ra has like helped me with is that like I build muscle really easily and um, we were talking about how this ties into like I guess colorism and how um, you know uh, that idea that like if you're darker that means that you've been working the fields and so you're lower class sort of thing. Um, and we were tying that into, I guess, musculature and how that can like ref- reflect the same sort of thing. Like if you're working hard, then you're probably lower class. Um, and, uh, I've always resented, <laughs> resented, I guess my body type for that reason, but being in, in raw is really, <laughs> really helped me appreciate that because like i am capable of really amazing things yeah yeah um thanks (laughs) (laughs) and there's nothing to be ashamed of there yeah um and it's something to celebrate and it's something to celebrate for sure yeah yeah yeah. there were just all these things that i didn't realize um i was ashamed about that uh just like came into light and just like i was able to to question um and yeah that's why these sorts of things are like hugely damaging (laughs) we have to like rework rework our own like um i don't know uh understandings of like ourselves and yeah yeah for sure and that again is why these pop culture and or game portrayals of Anyone, I suppose, but uh, since this is Asians represent, it's about speci- Asians, yeah. Spe- specifically, Asians mm-hmm. is so important because because everyone internalizes it, mm-hmm. uh, no matter what their background is, and then th- th- it's it perpetuates in a damaging way until you realize it, and then you have to put a lot of work into overcoming it. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. If you can identify damaging. it, yeah, and actually. Um, so, you know, I wasn't the greatest fan of, um, I already forgot the name of the movie, your favorite movie <laughs> that you mentioned earlier. Which, uh, which one? Uh, the crazy, Asian crazy, one. Crazy, 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 crazy. Yeah, so well, we sorry. talked about this. No. Yeah. So, you know, I wasn't the biggest fan of it, but um, hearing you talk about it the second time, uh, just it just suddenly <laughs> yeah. dawned on me, like, why uh, I, I apologize? I cried like, at the end of the movie. I mean, there are a lot of, like, emo- emotional moments, like, for I, sure. I, I, I'll cry during movies. <laughs> but, yeah, like, what no is... Yeah, cry no, during no Superman Returns. Yeah, yeah. Oh. oh. <laughs> they're beating Shame up... sometimes. <laughs> okay. When they're beating up Superman on that island made of kryptonite, I felt those blows. <laughs> oh, okay. 
right in the tear ducts. <laughs> <laughs> I cried during ops like everybody does. Oh, yeah, yeah. And at the wedding scene, Crazy Rich Asians. Yeah. Oh, I see. It was it was emotional for sure. But I, I just mean like um, I, I, I appreciate why it was like really meaningful for you because that's not um, – because I'm like, yeah, Asian men are attractive. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, but that's not – necessarily what you see of yourself you don't have that much opportunity to see that except yeah. for Kim's convenience that's the only other thing that I can think yeah, of yeah that's the other yeah. damaging thing mm-hmm. that, that you've internalized that I've internalized yeah. well, like you've been talking about mm-hmm. for for me it's like perceptions of Asian men like uh, like being and we could we should talk about this on another episode yes we will like but being like an Asian dude and online dating in Toronto despite how um you know what? I'll tell this story now. Actually, it's really funny. Go for it. Uh, dis- despite how um, diverse this city is, online dating as an Asian man is really difficult here. Really difficult. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, and, you know, I-, I tried, like, lots of different platforms. There's even, like, all Asian online dating, too. Like, oh, there's yeah. this one called East Meets East. Well, that's fine. And I was on it, and I forgot I had an account. And then one day, like, all these, all my friends were, like, sending me like messages on Facebook and Twitter they'd be like yo Daniel some YouTubers talking about your your dating profile what did like, they say I was like what there's this YouTuber I don't want to like she big YouTuber like w- close to or over a million subscribers like an Asian woman from Toronto mm. uh, and she was doing like a sponsored video and she's like and she's like I'm gonna find a man and she went on this website I was like going through these profiles and found mine that's so funny and I was like Daniel Daniel's my prince and I was like and she like just read out my whole profile in this video that's amazing wow. and then everybody's like messaging me and I was like oh I gotta delete this thing because I was I wasn't single at the time because I had forgotten that I was on this app because <laughs> oh. it was like a website oh I see okay yeah and I had completely forgotten no, push but like push notifications That's yeah I like I because I, I don't do push notifications because mm. I'm just like I don't want to be bothered with it mm-hmm. um, but yeah like things like that are so damaging like mm-hmm. you know thinking that you're not desirable yeah. in, in like the city mm-hmm. you live in yeah. because of the platforms you used to try to like find people yeah. it, it's like it's really hard so that's why I loved you know Crazy Rich Asians yeah. it certainly had its problems but there were also scenes like when they're making dumplings like mm. I've had the, those moments right. or like when they're playing mahjong like I, yeah. ha- I have like the sound of the shuffling of yeah. the tiles is like I mean I don't want to like say that every Asian had that experience but like like my friends and I we all know like I remember sitting on the the staircase going down to my grandparents basement and just watching them all play play MJ hey I have that exact same memory <laughs> yeah or you know one that sounds exactly right like, and, yeah. and it's just like they're all playing mahjong and they're all like yell, yelling at each other mm-hmm. yeah. and I'm just like sitting there with my brother playing my Game Boy yeah. in the stairs yeah it's just seeing your experience your life on screen exactly and then realizing that oh other people experience this too or that this is normal but we also want it as normal it's the normalization of it exactly yeah. Absolutely. And but, but that's what we look for in RPGs to like bring this back. <laughs> She's giving me this like rapid fire eyebrows. <laughs> Yo, I'm just giving you props, okay? Yeah, no, no, no. It just like threw me off. But like, 
that, you know, bringing it back to RPGs is like, we want to see ourselves represented in RPGs as well. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't want to have to be a samurai. I don't want to be a monk and have chi powers. I don't want to be this weird, sexy lady. I mean, I'm okay with that, but not in this weird context. You don't want to be, like, objectified by other players at the table. Yeah. You want to be objectified by the content of the game itself. Unless you, Thank you. Yeah. That is yeah, what I meant. That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Peace. Uh, but There's like, some good gestures that uh, yeah. this recording's missing. We should out do on. these. We should live stream these. Uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> but or just put like Agatha face cam for all your just men. just Agatha face just cam for my eyebrows. But like <laughs> this is what we're looking for in games. We're looking for opportunities to see ourselves represented, right? Mm. Uh, mm. Like you talked about this, like consult like if you're a white person and you know you you answer the question why am i writing this and should i be writing this and if you get past those questions and you feel like in your heart you should be producing something and you are the right person to do it we're not trying to stop you from that just just uh get get people who are of that background to actually help you yeah and you don't have to like co-author them with us but like have us involved, you know, consult with us. But also yeah. get us to co-author. Yeah, but I mean, like, give us opportunities because these are spaces that need to be opened up yes. for, for people in this community. And guess what, white man? You are the one who needs to do it because it is your space. Yeah, mm. or or it's also on us to take initiative. That's true. Right? You're right. For <laughs> I know this, this is our platform and... Yeah, you know we can talk about our our projects, mm-hmm. but like, I have I have a friend, and he, um, he was like, you know what, like I, I don't see a lot of he was we we had um dinner the like a couple weeks ago, and we were talking about you know Asians represent, mm-hmm. and he was like, yeah, why aren't there that many RPGs about India? Yeah, mm-hmm. and he was like, well. Like I can do this, and I was like, "You should do this." Mm. So I would love to see that. And yeah, he, he's working yeah. on like an RPG kind of centered around like Bollywood tropes. Oh yeah, cool. And I'm like, "Yo, dude, you gotta like work on this." Mm-hmm. And so it's these like it's the recognition that we can create in this space. Yes, and that there's a platform like Asians represent. Yeah, make that or, game, and we'll feature you yeah. on the show. <laughs> or 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 even like. There are, we go to conventions. We want to play these games. We want to buy these games, mm-hmm. right? Like for for me, when like my big project that I'm working on right now is Ross Rifles, um, my World War One RPG, and one of the things that I wanted to do with that game is write a war game, but that told Asian stories. But Asian stories didn't have to be central to your experience. But I want to put those Asian stories in the game so people know about them. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right? I want to challenge what you think the Canadian soldier during World War One looked like. Mm-hmm. Looked like. Not did, because they all did the same thing. Yes. They all fought for Canada. They mm-hmm. all fought, you know, for king and country, for <laughs> for their for recognition in yeah. their communities, yeah. recognition at the national level. Yeah. Right? But but it's up to us to A, you know, be involved, be available to help people who ask us mm-hmm. and create yes mm-hmm. and, and, and that's why we wanted to bring you in jade because a you're like like you're like, awesome you're awesome Thanks. you're strong <laughs> you, you stand up for yourself but also because you're creating in a space that is dominated by white people mm. and that's another important thing though is to um 
hold the door for yeah for others. And, and I really appreciate you two doing this, doing doing the show in general, inviting me on for sure. But just doing the show in general is so important. Well, we, we were we were first talking about this. We were like, "Are you sure this hasn't been done before?" And we were like, "Wait, this hasn't been done before. That's really problematic." That yeah, that that in itself is so problematic for yeah. sure. Yeah, and I really appreciate um, you two taking the initiative to to do that and to hold the door open for other Asian creators. <laughs> Because it's not that's not an easy thing too, um, so it's like I really appreciate you putting yourselves out there to do that to this like in this unexplored space. <laughs> yeah, and we're excited. Yeah. So so thank you, Jade, for coming on our show. Yeah, yeah and I want and I want to ask you like, so if people want to learn more about the raging Asian women, people want to know more about your game design work, people want to ask you questions, where can they find you on the internet? Yeah, you can find me at Jade Maddie. that's J-A-Y-D-M-A-T-Y, on Instagram, on Twitter. Yeah, you've been posting a lot of, like, videos and photos of you you, you training for for Raw. Yeah, so tune in. Yeah, it's super (laughs) empowering, because you guys just had a big show, too. We did. We did earlier um, in September at the Metro Convention Center. That was like a like a like a obscenely it was, like it was dramatic a, show. It was, it was a, like that's like a big venue too. Yeah. I, was, I was looking at your Instagram story. I was like, God damn! It was eight a.m. and we were playing one of our hardest positions with uh, aerialists and fire spinners. It was very dramatic. Oh, wow! <laughs> yeah, it's, le- it's legit. It's like, wow! <laughs> but yeah, tune in if you want to uh, catch a bit of that. So so that's Jade Maddie J A Y D M A T Y yep. on Twitter and Instagram. Yes. Yeah, feel free to reach out, and if you want any, uh, I don't know, uh, perspective on things, <laughs> I'm available for that too. Yeah, well, uh, thank you for being on Asians Represent. Yeah, thanks a lot. So thanks to Jade for joining us on this episode of Asians Represent, and thank you listeners for tuning in. Asians Represent is part of the One Shot Podcast Network. If you head to oneshotpodcast.com, you can listen to a variety of amazing podcasts like the brand new Broadswords, an all-women actual play Dungeons & Dragons podcast focusing on roleplay, narrative, and diversity at the gaming table. And if you have any questions about today's theme, the games discussed, or anything else related to Asians represent, maybe you want to you know, hire Agatha and I as consultants on your game, or you know, just ask us questions like, am I a racist? Don't ask us that because we don't want that emotional labor. But regardless, (laughs) you should get in touch with us on Twitter at A-Z-N-S represent or at A-Z-N-S represent at gmail.com. I'm Daniel. And I'm Agatha. And you've just listened to Asians Asians Represent. Represent.